And we're live, and Doc is sober, so, you know, there's a plus. Are, we, are you sure? No, I'm not. Hey, are you crazy sci-fi and fantasy? Doc, behave. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. The podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. We are the Blasters and Blades podcast. And so uh, because you see a bunch of people on the screen, and if you're listening, there's a bunch of people on the screen, we're going to let our guests introduce themselves. And we'll start with Miss Christina Gruel. Since you've been here before, did I butcher the name again? Uh, no, you butchered it backstage quite a bit, and I corrected you. But you got it good this time. All right. Then I won't say it again so I can end on a high note. <laughs> Locked in. Uh, can you tell listeners and viewers who you are and, and you know what you do? Uh, I'm Christina Gruel. I'm the author of the Summerled Universe, which currently just has one series where uh, I'm still getting geared up. But uh, book four came out just a month and a half ago. Uh, book five comes out in November. And in the in the middle of that, y'all are getting a massive chunk of uh, short stories and background information. Basically, a huge, huge, getting my Bible all in one. It's called The Companion in September. And, uh, and yeah, that's me. So, so is it going to be yeah. called the Semerillion? What was that? <laughs> Are you going to call your, uh, your Bible the Semerillion? No, it is not. It, it were, it's just the companion. And I've called it a lot of names in the last couple of weeks because, um, you know, somehow I decided I needed a character dictionary. Those are and always fun. In a world that, you know, is up there with George R. R. Martin. And um, I counted earlier today and stopped when I hit like 250 entries for just characters. Uh, yeah, so I, I, it took me three weeks to compile that. And um, I, I've called it a lot of names. Matt can attest to that. Uh, so Mr. Zupka is one of my chief alpha readers and uh, a huge contributor to my sanity and me getting shit done. Uh, now All right. here you brought us two sacrifices i mean guests i did <laughs> i i tried to bring more but they escaped me i'm just having lamb so remind we'll me with... we need to review the knots on this next next week all right and then next we've got mr matthew zupka uh yeah so my name's um matthew zupka um I will forever refer to Christina's companion now as the Summerlarian. It's now canon. Um, <laughs> all right, what do I wait for Doc and Christina to reboot? Okay. Um, that's what the snorting was. That was their computer rebooting. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I wanted to give it a second. Um, <laughs> I currently don't have anything published, but to paraphrase a certain trickster god owned by a certain mega corporation, I am burdened with many ideas. Um, it's just a matter of getting the ideas out into the world. It um, happens. You yeah. got to make the voices shut up and go away by writing them down. You see, that's what yeah. the writing is. You're actually just trapping the voices on paper so they can leave you alone. In okay, and they need to forget the um, spell that makes me makes them escape the paper, and they need to stay on the paper. Mm. Yeah. Um, so see, that yeah, spell that's, that's comes when they go to publication, and then they don't really so much stay on the paper as go into other people's heads. Oh, so that's how it works. Why wasn't that okay. in the author's manual? Okay. It wasn't All right. in the manual. 
I can attest having read many of his stories and we actually met on a role playing group. So we've role played back and forth together for like how how many seven years. Uh, So, so we've, I've witnessed a lot of his writing and when he uh, finally, finally gets past that spell and and gets it out there man, y'all got some shit coming. Okay. And then last but not least, we have Mr. Justin Fike. Is that how you say it? Yep. Good old, good old fashioned German name from the way back. Is it German? Hey, my it is. I, I did that thing once way back when right. of like your ancestry. And the furthest back I could get it was like a, one of the first female judges in Germany in like the 1500s, which is totally on point because all the women in my family will cut a bitch if they get if they get out of line so it's like yeah this, this tracks <laughs> all right so the next part of this introduction dear listener because we've done this before is how we first found everybody on this panel so i found christina gruel see i said it twice twice in a row uh we i found her through doc and then she brought the uh the friends of christina with her um, so that's how I found everybody. Doc, do you have a different way that you met Christina? Um, was it in, you know, some begotten hole in the wall bar in Vegas or like, what's the story? No, I mean, there was a CD bar probably involved in it, but I don't, I wasn't there for that part. It was a virtual bar. It was a virtual CD bar, except Amy's really, AK DeBoe, is a very classy person. So calling it a CD bar feels wrong. So she did a virtual convention and um hopefully we'll be she'll be bringing it back and uh it'll be a lot of fun um called sifcon sci-fi fantasy con and uh i know the content is still up there so you can see our wonderful meeting on some of her panels and some of the craziness that ensued because christina joke i give even before she knows me yeah nice. so sifcon is supposed to come back next year yes but Doc and I ended up on a couple of panels together and immediately hit it off. Yes, we did. And then when I came to Atlanta for Jordan Con, um, we didn't get to sleep together, but we did get to have dinner together. And we even allowed Matthew to join. They yes, did allow. We did. I, I had to set a table down, but I was at least in the general area. <laughs> I mean, you take what you can get, right? Beggars can't be choosers. Exactly. All right. And this wouldn't be the Blasters and Blades podcast if we didn't do the religion question. But Christina is a returning guest. So she's answered these questions. And this might be a long, ep- longer episode because there's enough people talking that uh, we're just going to skip over her for the religion question. And we're going to let Justin and Matt answer these. Christina. I have one I think- more thing first. Okay. So while you know that I met Matt through role playing, we did Wheel of Time role playing. For- oh, my. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, every time someone says that, I think of George Takaki. How do you say his name? Takai. The guy from Star Trek. Takai. Yeah. yeah. Oh my. So in oh one of my. our uh, role playing uh, role playing groups, our characters did end up married. But I digress. So we won't tell your husband. <laughs> oh, he knows all about it. Matt's just one of my many men. So Justin, are they married men? <laughs> Justin and I met through this really awesome, very small um, Facebook group called uh, 200 Rogues. And it's uh, all fantasy authors and artists. And uh, there's only 200 of us. There's a cap. But yeah, it's it's been a great group. I just wanted to 
take a second to uh, yeah, thank shout you. out rogues. <laughs> okay. Uh, but because this is the Blaster and Blades podcast, we can't let new guests escape without the religion question. So we're going to start with Justin this time. Star Wars, mm-hmm. Star Trek, or Firefly? Firefly. Thank you, you for watch. giving me that that last option. I love Firefly. It's amazing. I mean, Star Wars and Star Trek are, are fine in that, like, I mean, yes, I'll have Domino's Pizza if it's what's on offer. But Firefly is, is life. It's such a great show. I love the characters. I love the setting. Um, and it just it feels a lot more grounded and like complex to me as a story. And there's that edge of like because it never really finished fully. I mean the movie I guess a little bit, but you kind of have that like ah oh, it would have been so great. There was yeah. never any closure. Yeah, half of Serenity in my mind just never happened. I've retconned like half of that movie. Wash is not dead. That's bullshit. Okay. I can understand. Strong opinions about Serenity. <laughs> okay. I like that the universe felt so big that there, you wanted more. Like, I, I would have yeah. loved them to go back and cover the Brown Coat War. Yeah. There's so, like, there's just it's weird so to much. Me that, that that setting specifically has gotten, like, in this era of remakes and additions and prequels, that that somehow, and I guess maybe Joss Whedon's just been, like, sickly about it, but. It seems odd to me that something that has that strong of like a fan base hasn't picked up something or even like a novelization or just something because it, it it wants it like it's right there. So, yeah, no, that's that's my answer. Obviously. I'm All right. And so, Matt, Firefly. can you follow that up? Star Wars, Star Trek or Firefly? Uh, I'm going to have to say Star Trek primarily primarily because that was kind of my my gateway to sci fi. Sure. and um fantastical elements um i mean some of my early memories are you know making sure i was in front of the tv at seven o'clock on a saturday night to watch the latest syndicated uh, next generation episodes um so yeah definitely um star trek through and through but um you know i like to dabble in the sub-religions of sequest and battlestar galactica so sequest yes! oh my god that is a deep cut, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I, I happen to have all three of the novelizations and the one lone comic book they put out. Amazing. Of course. Doc, You're amazing. I think, I think you just found your new best friend. Sorry, Mel. <laughs> move over. I, Wait, does Mel have a copy? Mel has <laughs> I love Sequest. That's awesome. Dude, uh, Jonathan is my first crush. There's like, <laughs> as that character, mostly because he was a teenage sci- science nerd. It was Wesley uh, Crusher without the whining. Dear God, right? uh, Yes. So um, Doc and I have drooled over Mel's library. So that's like, uh, that's the benchmark for good librarying. It is. So you'll have to to keep up. She goes, why does Mel have a collection? And I'm just a book slut. And I went, (laughs) because you're related to me. It's only to figure out. Fair. All right. Now, this is the Blasters and Blades, and we are polytheistic. So, Matt. Uh, yes. Game of Thrones, Lord of the Ring, or Wheel of Time? Ooh. Wheel of Time. Oh, man. They're not going to revoke your membership to JordanCon, are they? It's, it's, same with Star Trek. The Wheel of Time was kind of my first big fantasy you know, love and the first thing that really got me into fantasy. I mean, I remember picking up book one, and I was in sixth grade, seventh grade, and you know, took me a couple tries to get into it, but once I was in it, I was in it for life. I mean, I've got it tattooed on my body, so. 
Oh my. I did I not know that. Okay. We won't yeah. ask where. We won't ask where. That's right. Uh, if you want to show people when you start your newsletter in the future, you can just do it there. It's publicly um, showable. <laughs> so, sure it is. <laughs> we all right, have yeah. giant Only in Europe. tattoos. It's like so, it's you know, this is one of those ones where there are so many jokes available, and I will leave it up to you, dear listener, dear uh, <laughs> viewer, to insert them yourself. In the because this yes. is providing in the comments, but this is family friendly. So we're going to move on and ask Justin. Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, or Wheel of Time? I'm go I'll go with Lord of the Rings for a similar reason. It's it's the one I grew up on. It's the that was the the book series that blew my mind for fantasy when I was yeah. like 10, 11 years old, and so I'll always have just a deep a deep soft spot for for Tolkien. It's one of those books you go back and reread periodically just because. Yeah. Although, it's nice. One of the things I like about Lord of the Rings, for exactly what you just said, Jr., is that like you remember the plot of Lord of the Rings really easily, and you know with the movies and everything. But when you, if it's been a while and you go back and read them, you see how much else is there that he put in. And the the old, the more times I've read it, the more I I like it for like the songs that he put in and the random asides and like the trash characters that didn't make the movie because they kind of don't matter but there it's just so fascinating and fun and interesting to be in that space like i like the fact that those books would if you if they were published today would probably never get anywhere because <laughs> there's so many things like, he does that are just like not right to do you know old school ramen like traditional ramen versus like instant ramen instant yeah. ramen's got all the main key things it's like it's the same but, but it's if not you have same. like yeah. real ramen it's so traditional yeah, ramen it's so analogy. full of nuance and everything else and books the nice thing is books yeah. can do that where it's a lot harder to get movies that are that yeah long. yeah i mean i love <laughs> the movies they're amazing um, but it's just different, and like I like that about about the book series for sure. They're they're very so. Like, I think the the more the older you get, the more life experience you have, the more you bring to the reading table, the more you can yeah. take back out because you can get nuances that went over your head before. Uh, sort of like if you watch Popeye as an adult and you listen to what he's muttering, for instance. Like, <laughs> how did you not see some of that when you were a kid listening to that stuff? But. I mean, it, it can be a little salty. Now, they have, if you're listening and you're, you're doubting me, the newer versions, they clean that back out. But if you find some of the original recordings mm -hmm. and you listen to his muttering, it, it's definitely not family-friendly, but it I was mean, a family-friendly show in theory. Right. <laughs> and so it's one of those things where, like, you know, the more you bring to the table when you're reading, the more you can take out of it. Um, so that's that's for you young listeners. It only gets better. There you go. So, all right. And so speaking of movies, uh, that's actually what brought us here today. We're going to be reviewing The Atom Project. So let's first start with where I'm going to cover what we're going to talk about. So we'll focus on several parts of the movie. And I'll give you a rundown here, dear listener. Um, so we're all on the same page. So we're going to talk about the blurb um, or the summary, which is basically the synopsis. Most of the time we'll steal that directly from the back copy of the, the DVD. And we're going to show the movie trailer if I could find it. Um, in this case today, I did. Uh, we're going to talk about the characters. So who are the main characters? Do we like them? How do they look, act? Were they believable, sympathetic, and well, are they, they look all right? Not. It was Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> I stop the drool and get your bib if you're going to be like this. All right. Uh, mostly, if Mark you'll notice, Russell, this is come this. On. <laughs> if you notice, this is also the uh, similar to the exact same um, format we use for book reviews. There's a reason. Um, but uh, then we'll talk about the plot. So this is general idea they of the story. Are going to reinvent a wheel? Absolutely. Why? Why fix it if it ain't broken? 
Uh, was it action-packed, easy to follow? Did it lag in places? Were there parts that you just didn't buy? Uh, then we're going to talk about some of the world building. Um, that uh, it's basically how flushed out is the world where this happens. Did you buy it? Could you envision yourself there? The good, the bad, and the ugly, basically. Uh, we're going to talk about the cinematography. So how did you feel um, the way the film was shot? Camera angles, jump starts, that sort of thing. Uh, for people that are nerdier than I when it comes to film, they can nerd out here. But I'm going to be like, ooh, pretty pictures. And we're going to rock on. Uh, Doc <laughs> might sound smart, though. No, uh, if somebody wanted to nerd out art style, Nick should have uh, come to the show. You know, that stupid job of his working, protecting the border and stuff. I don't know what that's about. But uh, we're going to try to get him back on the show. But his work schedule is just weird right now. Uh, then we're going to show the movie poster. Um and review the cover art font, all the sort of things like we would do with a book cover. And then we're going to cover it overall. This is where we put our opinions. Would we recommend it and why? So, uh, yeah, that's that's what we're going to cover. So I'm going to read the summary. Uh, the name of the movie, obviously, we covered was The Adam Project, directed by Sean Levy. Um, for cost, it's only available right now on Netflix. So it's, a, you know, the price of your monthly subscription, which I think is $12.99. Don't quote me on that. Um, you can buy it on some niche um um, platforms uh, as a DVD and actual Blu-ray for like 26 bucks roughly, but uh, it's definitely not available for Amazon because Amazon and Prime and Netflix compete, so they went out of their way not to make it available there. Um, so you're going to have to really search if you want a physical copy. It's 106 minutes and was released on March 11th, 2022. So for once, we're not reviewing a movie that's a decade old, so spoiler alert, I guess. Um, and finally, the ad copy, which uh, this is the description that they put over on Netflix after accidentally crash landing in 2022 time traveler, time traveling fighter pilot, Adam Reed teams up with his 12 year old self on a mission to save the future. So uh, that is where I prove yet again, that I am not going to take the movie trailer ad voice guys job this week, but, but I'm going to keep practicing. Uh, anybody else want to read that? If you think, uh, if you think you could do a little bit better, I mean, I'm going to, I'll copy and paste it over, but otherwise we'll move on. I didn't think that was too shabby. All right, then we'll move on. We, we won't torture you. So first off, we're going to talk about the summary. Does everyone think that that did a pretty good job uh, for ad copy summarizing the um, the movie? We'll start with you, Justin, because we're going to go in alphabetical order. And hosts are last. I think it did a pretty good job summarizing, like, well, I may be jumping ahead. I feel like it was like two movies layered on top of each other. I feel like it did a good job summarizing one of the two movies that it wanted to be. That's, okay. my, that's my short take. All right. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I, I would agree with Justin. I definitely feel like there was, there were two, there are definitely two layers to it. And I didn't really notice it until Justin mentioned it. But thinking back on it, I, there were definitely layers, but the layers were woven so well together that you couldn't tell there were layers, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's so like Shrek said, it's an onion. No, it was the donkey that said it. Yeah. Yes. You're right. an onion. Like, Everybody likes parfait. Well, more yeah. like waffle fries because it weaves together. There you go. Uh, the sacred waffle fries. We can only okay. use food metaphors from now hungry. on. <laughs> I you was know, thinking it was like, you know, a black forest cake. You know, you got the, <laughs> inside, the nice moist layers of cake, mm. the frosting, the chocolate shavings, you know, all of it together. You know, you can't just take like, a bite of the cake by itself. You want all the crap that goes on and inside of it. It makes it complex. Or so I really prefer tiramisu. Now the hashtag will be there now. will be food. Yeah. Uh, all right. So so Doc, do you want to throw your own food metaphor out there? 
I already said I preferred tiramisu because you have the, things, the, the lady fingers and that makes like, yeah. you know, those are like the tropes that make the movie stand up. And then you, you mean, got the you're cannibalizing? Which would be like Ryan Reynolds abs. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have, you know, the um, kind of like the coffee syrup and Kahlua syrup that goes in and soaks everything up that kind of just works as the binder to make it fluid in one big movie. The actress that plays his wife, I can't Zoe think Deschanel. of. No, Zoe Deschanel. No, not Zoe Deschanel. What am I talking Jennifer about? Zoe Saldana. The other Zoe. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Zoe Saldana. Yes. She and Jennifer back. Garner. I mean, those are definitely She's lady amazing. fingers right there. Those are definitely uh, the on top of the lady I would eat those lady fingers. Uh, they were delicious. <laughs> I mean, it was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> the cast was dynamic. Yeah. No, it was really good. That... I... You know what? Anything I have to say to those comments would be very not family friendly. So we're going to move on. <laughs> All right. We broke JR. Uh, I mean, the grunt in me says there's it. so much room here for yeah, a little bit of shenanigans. But all right, um, I, I think the uh, the tra the summary was spot on. I think it sort of covered the basics. Um, so yeah, all right. So this is where I we're going to show you. The, it Sorry. was kind of generic of a summary, though. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was like a basic hook. There was so much more that could have been said to hook, to to draw you in. It I was mean, a it, very that could have been a movie out of the eighties or the nineties. Yeah. So what you're saying, Christina, is that if Netflix wants to hire you to write their ad copy, you're available. No. No. I will be. No. I hate writing my own ad copy. Yeah. <laughs> it's always be. a pain. <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're gonna show you real quick, dear listener. So Jared's bear with us. Totally ignoring it. What's that? You'll do it, or you're the the stick you're waving in front of the screen. Both. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to be self disciplined, Doc. Don't ruin it for me. All right, let's show that uh, beautiful bean footage. Are you gonna make me slow down? There's no one even following us. Don't look back. Look up. Uh, I think we're about to have some company. Stop the car. What? What? Stop! Go, 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 reverse! Laura, this is... me. Hi. Parallel contact, babe? Well, you know, you've always said that you've wished you'd met me earlier. Here I am. <laughs> Do you remember this? I mean, if this is happening to me, it already happened to you, right? Unless it works more like a multiverse where each ripple creates an alternate time. A multiverse. My God, we watched too many movies. So 2050, is it really bad? It's not great. Find him. Get ready to run. Godfather of time travel? The Adam Project. We don't pull this off. We're not getting back. What do you say, kid? Punch that shit. 
Oh yeah. I spent 30 years trying to get away from the me that was you. And I'll tell you what. the best part all along. How'd you get to be so smart? How'd you get to be so dumb? Nice try. All right. So I didn't make you listen uh, through all the seconds of where they were just showing all the who wrote what and all that nonsense. Um, so, yeah, but what did you think of the trailer? Would that have made you want to watch the movie? Yes. I mean, yeah, I wanted to watch it before I even got invited here, so it was just a matter of this just bumped it up on my list. Okay. Yeah. What about you, uh, Justin? Yeah, I'd, I had seen it on my own before the podcast even came up. I, I liked the trailer. I like to look at the trailer a lot. So, yeah, I thought the trailer did a pretty good job giving the okay. plot like a better job than the ad copy of giving the feel of the movie the ad yeah. copy feels totally different like, than which that. Is partly because the movie is not a plot based movie like it's it's more of a vibe movie than a plot movie. like the plot is it's there but it's not like it's not a high, it's a high it's concept a high movie but it's not really like the plot is that easy to describe like guy comes back from the past teams up with his 12 year old self and saves the future like that's the plot so I, I get that, like, if, if you're just putting, like, a, a two sentences I, together, it's a little hard to say what makes it great, but what makes it really good. I think one of the things that makes it great in some ways is if you watch The Last Starfighter, it has I, some of that same vibe. I was thinking Last Starfighter the entire time. Like, 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 we're the generation of The Last Starfighter. Yeah. That movie came out the year I was, was 84, right? It was the year I was born. Most excellent movie. It was the year I was born. Yeah. Oh, your babies. We're starfighters, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it had that. It, it was that like kind of like childish. It was it was going back to the wish fulfillment version of sci-fi, which I yeah. really yes. loved. That's what I loved the most and it about was, the movie. It was like, oh, it was a thank fun you. wish fulfillment. Like it was yes. there was something there for everybody. And what I, I I tell you what the line that hooked me when watching the preview to okay, this is not just going to be like some rehash i mean it is a bit of a rehash i did say you know the pound cake which i use pound cake in mine instead of lady fingers when i make tiramisu it would be um the tropes right yeah the body of the cake mm. but i'm just gonna go with the food here man <laughs> i swear so i did dinner uh, so but, if you would actually be so with the mine where she's like look up because that's what really makes it great sci-fi and modern sci-fi versus like the classics of uh when they're on oh god somebody shoot me because i can't remember the ewok moon fingers or something mm -hmm. like that yeah and they're, and and they're going everything's very 2d on yeah, those or, or even like terminator or yeah yeah this one definitely has the modern feel because they recognize space and everything and they're able to film in those extra dimensions and depth and I think it really did carry through and that they addressed it right on. They're like, mm -hmm. look up. Yeah. 
And just for the record, if you if you uh, if we ever figure out a way to monetize this, we totally will. But when she was talking about ladyfingers, I'm like, when did we get from dessert to cannibalism? Because apparently that's not real fingers from women. It's food. All right, people. It's a type of French cookie, and they're kind of hard to find. They're normally kind of clamshell uh, or um, seashell shaped, like long. Um, but if you want to use lady fingers and you're, you live in like the U S totally make pound cake, or you can buy it, which is way cheaper than buying lady fingers. There you go. People, you Bro got tip. your daily cooking lessons from doc. <laughs> All right. So people uh, are going to wonder what I'm up to today. So what did you think of the trailer, Christina? You know, I really like the trailer. Um, I will say it captures more of the nuances with the fact that it's a character-driven movie, less yeah. than a plot-driven movie. You know, it's the characters that make the movie versus the plot making the movie. Um, you know, you and I would love to be that kid that's playing Ryan Reynolds' character as a kid. I mean, you know he had to have a blast making that movie. Well, apparently, like, at the interview when they went to go <laughs> cast him, He's just started listing off every Deadpool line in order. He can, he, there's a there's a thing you can find of him on YouTube with like the full cast, and he like verbatim quotes the entire first five minutes, like the Deadpool monologue from the beginning, and every all the adults are freaking out, and you find <laughs> Reynolds is blushing of like, oh shit, what have I done? But yeah, he's the <laughs> was Ryan Reynolds Deadpool? Yeah, yes. I don't what? care about the actors. I didn't know who the actor was. Okay, we had and the Hulk and Gamora all on the screen together. I know that was. I, that, I did think that was interesting. It's like a Marvel cast roundup. I, I will admit that was like fan service and its yeah. glory. I was right cool with there. it. Yeah, they clearly like they have their people like. Patty is the Hulk. That's what yeah. the take home message from mm -hmm. that is. So I'm always been of the assumption that if I have to know who the actor is in a movie, they didn't do a good enough job because I shouldn't care about the actor. I should care about the character. So I never worry about pop culture in that respect. Ryan Reynolds, I, I understand that. Himself, when we're talking so. Ryan Reynolds' abs, that's another story entirely. He's a, he's Ryan, Reynolds very abs, Ryan Reynolds' abs do nothing for me, Doc. I'm sorry. Yeah. There is something wrong with you. I mean, other than to tell me I need to hit the gym again. Yeah. Okay. Twice so they do something for you. They cause you to be jealous and motivated. Uh, this is good. That is healthy. So, all right. So, what about you, Doc? <laughs> what did you think of, aside from your obsession with his abs and you know, wipe the drool real quick? But what did you think of the trailer? I liked the trailer. I already said I thought the trailer was great. The line where she, they're like, "Look up," you know, it, it's just really great as um, a reminder that this is a modern sci-fi movie, which means. You're not going to see the same tired tropes uh, done in exactly the same way. And then I love that, you know, as I said, this is the generation of The Last Starfighter. We're talking about being the adults watching it. And we all, there are definitely times where we're like, man, if I could go back in time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you've lost someone, go back in time and see them and, and let them know that you really appreciate them, which... Um, I think in one of the commercials, there's definitely a scene of that. Mm. Um, but also go back in time just to smack the shit out of our stupid selves, you know? And so I think there, I think it made a good job of appealing to all of those ages. 
Yeah, um, I, I would say it made me watch it. Um, obviously, I watched this because Seska said, hey, we're reviewing this movie. I'd never even heard of it. And I was like, eh, okay, because uh, we're looking at breaking out from just doing author interviews. So we're trying to get some more. Um... I mean, we can also review Free Guy. Ryan Reynolds is in that, too. <laughs> is it sci-fi? Yes, it's lit RPG, even. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm game if, if it's I'm on Netflix. Or Prime. Um, but, all right. Uh, try not to drool too much. Your poor husband. Um, but so, like, even you if like Doc hadn't um, hadn't said, hey, we're watching this. Like, after seeing the trailer, I definitely would have wanted to. It, was, it had all the tropes. You got to see the action. And sometimes uh, review trailers will show you all the cool parts. And then when you watch the movie, it's like yeah. Yeah, that two-minute trailer was all the cool parts. Uh, happily, you know, we'll get over overall thoughts later. But happily, I will say that is not the case here. Uh, and for a movie that relies so heavily on CGI, it didn't grip on the character acting, which I liked. So I, I think I think this movie sort of demonstrated the vibe you're going to get. And I think, like, I'm here for it. So, yeah, I liked it. Now, I looked at the time. We're 32 minutes in. So what we're going to do real quick is I'm going to show the sponsor of this show's uh, commercial. And then we're just going to go balls to the walls until the end. Um, so real quick, a word from our sponsor. And thank you, Christina. If Princess Lenathena cannot stave off civil war, then a mad goddess will surely take the throne. The king of Lithonia is dying. When he is gone, Lithonia will be ruled by either a cruel sadist or a six-year-old boy. Princess Lenathena Morthon is third in line, and she has no intention of letting her country burn. She will do whatever she must to protect her people, even if that means leaving the country she loves. When the mad goddess of Hathor sets her gaze upon Lithonia's throne, the king decides to use Princess Lenathena as a bargaining chip with his closest allies in Kaeldanon. Now stranded in a foreign country, away from her center of political power, Lenathena must use every tool at her command to scrape together allies and save her country from a fate worse than death. But will her would-be husband be one of those allies or just another enemy? Author Christina Gruel de debuts with a dark, high-stakes political fantasy where every new face hides a potential threat. Pick up From the Ashes and discover the shadow games that will determine the future of several nations. All right, I would like to note that your narrator, he got your last name right, didn't mispronounce it at all. Really? Like he knew what he was doing or something. <laughs> it's like it was his name when he was born. It was my husband, and he has a wonderful voice. I, I know. I was I was trying to be funny, but you just ruined it <laughs> when you had to explain it. Dear people, JR. Oh, oh yeah, dear know. listener. Okay, okay. Yeah. We'll let you in on the joke, dear listener, but don't tell anybody, all right? It's a secret. <laughs> all right. So now that uh, we've been suitably wowed by her commercial, um, and her amazing audio talent. Is he going to be narrating your books? Um, I, I think we, I don't think our marriage would survive that with all the character pronunciations. <laughs> <laughs> Better say no. Right. So, so now we're going to dive into the, uh, the character part of the thing. So uh, who did you see as the main character? Was it just one or were there multiple main characters? And we're going to start with Christina. Um, I definitely think the Adams were the main characters uh the, the young adam and the, the older adam were definitely center stage um i i thought his mom was a great supporting character strangely enough the villain of this movie seemed more like a secondary or a tertiary character yeah. as, as opposed to a main uh, main character, which was was really interesting, but didn't detract from the sense of high stakes and and urgency that we felt, in my opinion. 
<clears throat> All right. And uh, next we're going to ask, uh, Justin, who did you see as the main or character or characters in this one? I felt like they set the 12-year-old Adam up to be the main character. Met him first. And kind of he was the he was your point of view character all the way through, and the one that it was kind of like, because you're always asking that question, like, so what's going to happen to him? Because even older Adam is like, well, he kind of already exists as as he is. This is like the character that might change, it, at least like in terms of the, how you were invested as a viewer. But I totally, I mean, the dynamic between the two of them was definitely. Like it was interesting. To see, it was kind of like a buddy cop movie, but between the same person, which or like the idea of the same person separated by like twenty years or however far apart they were supposed to be. And that I think was they pretty said cool. it was thirty. Yeah. And the like, other, the other cool part of that is depending on which time travel paradox theory you subscribe to, one, both of them or neither of them will change. But that's where the joke about the multiverse comes around yeah. uh, that you saw in the trailer. And the, the older Adam, Ryan Reynolds, was like, man, you watch too many movies. Yeah. And I don't know if that was a dig at like a joking about all the different time travel paradox theories that exist. Or if that was a dig at the Marvel because of the it actors. It felt like a, like a Marvel wing. I, I think yeah. it was all of the above. I think it yeah. did multiple multiple duties well i think yeah. ryan reynolds doesn't above it you know above yeah. people's chops though yeah he's yeah. not above breaking the third wall in this in this at all yeah. he loves breaking that fourth wall sorry no, third. all right what about you uh matt who did you see as the main character or characters uh <clears throat> excuse me definitely you know definitely the adams uh adams family if you'll allow um <laughs> was uh they, they're definitely the main characters i think they both shared time as main characters equally depending on the scenes we were seeing or how the scenes led into each other you know it's so like in some of the school stuff like young adam was the main character but then uh, you know it switched to ryan reynolds adam as the main character if you were seeing things from his point of view and it was very fluidic in the way they did that like it never felt jarring and i think it helped that they were supposed to be you know the same person um but yeah you know the whole time travel rules Again, depending on how you, you view time travel, we are, we are either the same person or different people. Um, but yeah, definitely um, definitely Adams were the main character, and I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, the dog. I think the dog did great, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hawkins was a great character. Hawkins. Yes. So, all right, Seska. What do you thought about the main character or characters? I think that it was... A really good movie. I think the main character definitely was Adam, and I think a lot of the story really revolved around how he, uh, both as a youth and as an adult, interacted with the world that he was being presented. Um, both in, you know, there's a certain level of for things to have gone the way they did in the future, he had to have a role in it, and how that his role played in it. I thought it was a really good one. And I think he really did, whether it was young or it was old Adam, he was definitely the main character of it. And I'm sure we're going to get into the supporting characters. So, Yeah, I was going to say, I said, obviously the Adam Reed times two. Uh, so young and old Adam Reed were definitely main characters. I thought originally, you know, when I wrote this up for the outline, I said, you know, his wife, Laura Shane, that's the, the character's name. 
But now thinking about it as we've been discussing it, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll relegate her to secondary. And, uh, and we'll, we'll do that. So what did you think about uh, Adam Reed as he was as a young man, um, as a character? And we'll start with you, Justin. I liked the actor and I liked the character. He hit the, the boy was one of my favorite parts of the movie. And that is often, I, I don't always like kids in movies, if I'm being honest. Because I feel like the the not the actors themselves they're usually it's the way they're written. I feel like a lot of times the way kids are written in movies are it, it's either they're written to be older than they really are, or they're written in a way that's obnoxious and their reactions are so big and annoying. Yeah. No. And I thought he did a great job of like sticking in the middle. It was like his reactions made sense for a kid. He wasn't acting like a thirty year old. He was acting like a 12-year-old, but in, in a way that wasn't irritating and that was actually relatable and enjoyable. And you, it was kind of like, he reminded me of my younger cousins that I'm like, I love you. I kind of want to slap you, but you're also kind of cool. You know, like you got it where it was like, okay, that, that makes sense as a character. I thought he did a great job. So they didn't write him as a Wesley Crusher who you just wanted to smash his face in. Yeah, but also like he didn't grate on me like, as I a 12-year-old. I think how they wrote the 12 year old was very realistic to how a 12 year old would be in those situations. A lot of times I have the same problem as Justin when I watch, even when I read books, sometimes I'm like, that is not actually not how that how, age group is. That's not how you know? Queenies act. That's and, not. <laughs> um, and I think that it was very spot on on that. And um, of he's a kid, he's trying to figure out like his entire world has been shook in in a way that a lot of adults can't even handle and he's trying to find a way to handle it and and he's not handling it well and he's acting out and he's not expressing himself which oh yeah that's normal and um so i mean it i thought it was really well done Okay. We're all parents here, so I think we, you know, mm -hmm. we can attest to the fact that kids, when they're put in stressful situations, they act out. And I agree with the fact that in a lot of movies, you end up with these kids that are <laughs> their characters are traumatized, and it just makes them 15 years older than they actually are. Yeah, but that's not of, always how it is with yeah. the kids. Um, yeah, and, and it, it's you know. Like I'm a single mom and it, it's that kid figuring out like how, how do I balance like, you know, the man of the house is in there. Like, what do you do? And then the moms get the brunt of it. Whether, whether the dad's gone because of divorce, because of abandonment or because of death, if it's like the kids are trying to find a way and it's, it's safe to blame the mom. And they and I saw that dynamic in there. They they did that really well. Uh, I loved the conversation yeah. between Ryan Reynolds, oh, like adult Adam and his mom at the bar. That made me oh cry gosh. hard. That was like one of the better scenes I've seen in a movie in a while. And they just kind of like fit it in. It was great. It was wonderful. And it was very true because that's how I would like to think an adult son would right. work. Like if you could go back yeah. and talk to that person that you were horrible to in hindsight, 
And you know, I went through a year and a half of deployment where I was a single mom. And while my husband could like call and talk to the kids from time to time. It uh, isn't the same. Yeah, it was just me. He was literally on the other side of the world in Japan. So, you know, Mm -hmm. getting that time to sync up Mm -hmm. where he was awake, they were awake. You know, and they could talk was was just really difficult. And, you know, I had when he left, I had three kids between the ages of two and 15. And it was uh, it was a hot mess. Yeah, no, it but it's it's not the same. And it's just they did a good job with that dynamic, I really think. And um, anybody who watches it, anybody who's whether it's temporarily a single mom like you did or permanently like mine, I think it really jived and um, and it was just done in a really amazing way with real honesty, real emotions. And I thought it was done really well. Honestly, I thought it was probably the most impressive dynamic out of the entire movie. I agree. I, you know, I, like you as, as a mom with the struggles that, you know, that, that we went well, through during they the, should be exhaustion, the complete and utter exhaustion of a working single mom. Uh, oh yeah. And I had an insomniac that was two year old, two years old that didn't sleep either. So, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've dealt with insomniac kids. It's not fun. All right. Matt, uh, so, no, so I, I, you know, I felt that moment where, you know, I, someday I, you know, I hope I have that moment with any one of my kids. <laughs> So, so Matt, what did you think about Ryan Reynolds as a child, as the character was portrayed in the movie? I thought it was great. Um, so I have a, I have a 12 year old. And if you take um, young Adam in this movie, divide him by like 2.43, you kind of get where my son's at in terms of uh, energy and mouth. So I definitely, <laughs> and that's, you know, I'm, I definitely related to that kid on that level. Um, and again, the, the portrayal, you know, they, they wrote the 12 year old like a 12 year old going through some crap, you know, and yeah, I, I really, I got nothing, I have nothing bad to say about that kid's performance. Like, I thought it was great. Um, I mean, I'd love to see him in other stuff too. Like, I think he's, he's got a good, good career based off on this one, this one film, but I think he, you know, whether it was the writing or his performance, I think his performance more so, but like, that was a believable 12 year old on screen. And that yeah. is what 12 year old Matt would have been like if I met my future self with a flying time machine. And and I thought, you know, so obviously the character, the actor did a great job acting. So it never felt like, I forget the movie Will Smith was in where his son was in it with him and they land on earth. After it's like, earth. Yeah, that was an example of kids doing bad acting. This was an example of them doing it well because he never felt like, okay, yeah, the kid's just cheesing it up and being overly dramatic or whatever, like he's just acting. It felt like in the moment you're watching it, it was real. So I'll say on the acting side, he did, the character, the actor did an amazing job portraying the character. As the character was written, like obviously, you know, Justin and Matt and I have been 12-year-old boys. I have one that was, you know, my minor 15 and 13. And I watched that and I'm like, mm, yeah, mine would have probably done that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. maybe the language was a little bit, you know, unique but it still fit i think the the kid you know with somebody who's doing all of the 
watching all of the you know the the fantasy you know stuff that the character was portrayed as liking. So that's the hence the joke we mentioned earlier about you know the multiple dimensions. But within the universe as they created it, I think he was extremely believable and extremely well uh, well written. So I you know I got no complaints there. Uh, so we'll move on and we'll talk about Ryan Reynolds. I mean Adam as an adult, Doc. So uh, so you can you know have time to dr- get the drool later. Do you want to go first this time? I'm fine. I can go first though. Uh, I thought he really did a great job with it. Um, you know, it's a different movie than some of what he's done, even with the, when you compare it to Free Guy and some of the, and Deadpool and stuff, this was definitely very much a family movie. And um, I really enjoyed the character. I thought, you know, you're going to have a character with some daddy issues after all that. And they portrayed portrayed it very authentically along with, um, as I said earlier, you know, he had that conversation with his mom of like, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I was a jerk wad. Um, I, (laughs) I love you and thank you for putting up with me type thing. And, um, and I'm sorry, I didn't appreciate it more. Like I thought it was really important. And I think that moms need to hear. Yeah. So if you're listening, I was really and you have a mom. by that subplot to me. It was. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening, don't be you nice have to her. Mom. I don't care if it was just Father's Day. Don't be nice to her. So that's what I was going to say. If you stop interrupting, if you're listening and you have a mom, call her and say, "Hey, you know, un- unload your soul, as it were." But speaking of unloading your soul, we're going to let uh, Christina talk next, since we're talking about moms. I thought we were talking about Ryan Reynolds. Well, Ryan Reynolds and mom. So, you know, you, you can drool later and go off camera once once the boys start talking. Yeah, you know, I, I have to agree that that little segue was really, really great. But one of the things that I really loved was older Ryan Reynolds taking, uh, you know, older Adam taking younger Adam to task about being a dick. I mean, he he straight up was like, you need to do better. She, you know, she is grieving too, but she just, she's not showing it to you. And she's trying to run this show all by herself and you're just making life, life worse for her. You know, it's, you know, and Siska, I think said it earlier, you know, I think we all have that moment where we wish we could go back in time and talk to our younger self and like, you know, give that kick them in the ass pep talk. And, um, yeah, I, I really, really liked the moments that resolved around the relationship with with Adam and his mom. Uh, it, you know, and it's very obvious that he's older Adam still struggles with the loss of his dad to the point where he has suppressed all of the good things and has to be reminded to it, you know, and that moment at the end where him and his dad have that moment mm-hmm. and the dad just like literally takes his face so that he can't look away and he has to acknowledge the words that are being said to him that hit me in the feels i yeah. mean you know it, it, it i had tears because it was mm-hmm. one of those moments where you know, we, we've all been through parts of our lives where someone who should have been there for us wasn't there for us. And we needed their words of encouragement. We needed their words to lift us up. And I just, you know, I feel like 
even though the, you know, because of what happens in the movie and time travel is gone and he's not going to remember that, I think the echo of that stays with him and helps shape him. And now I've segued to the dads. All right. So what did you think about the uh, Ryan Reynolds as an adult, as the character was portrayed, Justin? Um, I mean, he he played himself, which he usually does, but I'm I'm on board for Ryan Reynolds playing himself anytime, anywhere. So that was fine with me. Um, it was interesting. Like, he had less of the overt, like, just sarcasm and bullshittery than he, and more just, like, sorrow? Like, more just regret. Like, his character was just, like, and, it, you know, confronted with his past that he probably hadn't thought about in a long time, you know. And there, so I liked that a lot. I liked, it felt like a different dynamic for him of, of that element going on. Um, this ties into what I was saying at the beginning about like the movie having kind of is being like two movies at once. I feel like 60% like or more of the movie was actually this family character drama that needed the time travel element to happen. But then the other like 30, 40% was like, and also we need to make it this action movie about saving the world from time travel and, and being an action movie part of it, like a time travel action movie. I, which is what they focused on in all the marketing and the trailer made it feel that way. I actually, that was my less favorite part of the movie. Like those parts were just very fine. They weren't bad, but they were very like super vanilla, fine, generic. And they kind of like, even the way they handled the time travel was like, anytime they got into any of the implications of the time travel stuff, they were just like, hey, it's not a problem. And didn't really dig into it they just because i mean it's complicated and they skipped over it i loved the family drama time travel part a lot i which was not what i expected to get going into the movie and i thought that that old adam older adam's character did a really i love that line when he was yelling at his at his self when he's like you know you have her to take care of you every day. She has no one. And there's like, there's not a day that goes by for the rest of your life where you don't feel sick to your stomach thinking about how you treated her. Like, Oh my, Oh my God. Like someone wrote a great, some great dialogue in that interplay of how you like, how you would engage her. And so that I liked that. I liked, I liked how he brought that in where it was, but all the pieces that had more to do with like his actual motivation was to come back and save his wife which is kind of minor stakes. I mean, it's, in, it's character stakes, but it's, and then you sort of find out, oh, maybe like the whole future is sort of in, it's like those pieces of the movie and which was really his main role as a character to me were a little, were a little weaker or like less explored than they could have been. Um, and that felt like maybe there was some missed opportunity there, but I know you can, I mean, you can't do everything in an, an hour and eight, 50 minutes or whatever it was. I feel like this is the role that um, some novelization could cover if they yeah. if they started writing in this universe. Um, the, the trick is, is you don't want to just turn the movie and write it as a book. You would want to maybe take some of that side character angle that, that was happening off screen and you could do that. Um, but yeah, the depth is definitely there. So what do you think about, uh, about Ryan Reynolds as Adam the adult, Matt? Again, I thought, you know, I thought he did a great, great job and yeah he was ryan reynolds as ryan reynolds um but nobody does ryan reynolds better than ryan reynolds <laughs> so 
I, I thought but his I, performance was. Uh, I thought his performance was spot on, um, and you could definitely see that adult Adam came from twelve year old Adam. Like it, there wasn't such a significant change. Short of wow, we got ripped, um, and the relationship with Ryan Reynolds and Mark Ruffalo's father, um, that that spoke to me in some ways. Um, just um, as you get older, uh, realizing uh, how relationships you might have viewed as a kid weren't all that they would seem. Um, I'm not sure if I'm making a lot of sense here. I spent the last couple minutes trying to formulate this thought. Mm. But um, just for my own personal experiences, Ryan Reynolds as the adult uh, spoke to me on a lot of levels. Um, but since we've all been on the, the Ryan Reynolds love train, um, I just want to throw out a fact I found out about this movie that Tom Cruise was originally slated to star in it. Mm. And I think it, it, that's the same face I made. Yep, Christina. And That would have been different. <laughs> Well, I think it would have been a completely different movie, and I don't think it would have had the same impact. You want to know Tom one of the Cruise. things that would have been different? Then you would have had to find another 12-year-old because the 12-year-old would have been taller than Tom Cruise. Facts. <laughs> you, would have had, you would have to have the 12-year-old played by an 8-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> I have problems. Uh, well, I mean, there was something I read that where it said that this was one of Ryan Reynolds' most personal movies yet, and I think some of it goes back to... Like we've all talked about the mom dynamic. We talk, we're talking a bit about the dad dynamic. Ryan Reynolds lost his dad. Like his father is dead. And he, mm -hmm. um, in an interview, he said that it wasn't a bad relationship, but it had had its ups and downs. And um, I definitely think that some of these scenes are the scenes that really could only be done by somebody who lost one of those figures in their life. So, and um, because, it, there's, there's no way to mimic that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that uh, Adam as an adult was a snarky sort of perpetual man child, which was fun in the beginning. I think. I don't know well, if this they, is They say that um, you, there's certain parts of your personality that stop developing when you experience deep trauma, and so part of you will stay that age, and part of him did stay a twelve year old boy. So. I, that was entertaining. I don't know if we'll call this necessarily character growth because I think it was just more the different sides of the same square, if you would. Um, <clears throat> but you saw when he talked to his mom, you start to see some of that deepness when the, in that scene that we've alluded to where he's in the bar talking to his mom and sort of giving her advice about how to handle her son and what her son might think, not knowing she's talking to her son as an adult. Um, so I thought that was, you know, you start to see some of the issues and then, oh my goodness, the daddy issues when he meets, you know, the Hulk in the uh, in the classroom, um, that it sort of went a little bit even deeper, and then you start thinking about those daddy issues because we've been talking about them here, you know, because some of the stuff you when you're watching it, it's just fun, right? And you sort of hmm. lose your, yourself to the mind candy, uh, but then you start realizing that you know he then turns around and sort of is a daddy character to himself yeah, when he's giving yeah, advice. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, when he was giving advice to his twelve year old self. Um, <clears throat> you see some of that, you know, passing that knowledge along. Um, 
And then even more of that, the dad role when he's like dealing with the bullies. And I don't want to spoil that scene because it's so hilarious. But there's a scene where <clears throat> Mark is an adult, or excuse me, uh, Adam as an adult confronts his childhood bullies with Adam as a 12 year old. And just, you got to watch it because, uh, you know, like I said, we don't want to spoil it. But you watch that and I'm like, yeah, I can see my stepdad doing that to me. Mm-hmm. So, and oh my goodness, Doc, you're, you're, you're going to make me get off track with these side comments. And then we're going to lose the family-friendly rating. Just so you know, I was laughing a minute ago in chat over here. We can't. Can we, we tell them? Can we let them behind the iron curtain? Uh, that takes it non-family-friendly. All right, we'll just move on. Uh, hit me up at the PM and I'll tell you. Um, all right. So what did you guys think? Uh, so did you have a favorite secondary character besides the dog? Um, Justin. I really, I like Zoe Saldana's character. I liked, I liked his wife a lot. Laura I mean, Shane. She was wasn't on very much for, you know, reasons. But I, I really liked her vibe for what, like what we got out of her. And of course, Jennifer Garner uh, as the mom was great. She was just, just flipping fantastic. I liked her a lot as well. Okay. I wish they'd done a different villain. I will say that was one of the weak spots for me in the movie. I did not. Yeah. I did not find her. It's like they couldn't decide whether they wanted her to be like what scary or mean or like slightly sympathetic. Like, like so it was just kind of she was the villain was just a kind of mush and not particularly compelling. But that that felt like that was there was a window there they could have done more with that. But other than that. They, they sort of stuck their toes in the water with the villain and they could have gone one of three ways. Sympathetic, right. you know, um, they could have taken her as pure evil or sort of she stumbled into it. And all three of those could have been viable and made a compelling victim. But they tried to do all three. They wanted to do all of them villain. at once. And then yeah. there was no, I don't know. Yeah, that was. That was weird. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. What about. What's that, Christina? Too many tropes in the pot. Yeah. Um, it, it's, you know, probably one too many writers wanting to stick their finger in the pie, you know, but, uh, what did you think of the, did you have a favorite secondary character, Christina? The parents, because I'm difficult and I'm not choosing one. I liked the, uh, the dichotomy of the two different relationships with, you know, with the, the different parental figures, both, both Adams seeing, you know, it was really funny. Older Adam saw the mom in a lot more positive light and the dad in a more negative light and younger Adam saw the dad in a more mm -hmm. positive light and was lashing out at the mom a lot. So I thought it was really interesting how as the movie went on, they kind of balanced each of them yeah. balanced. So I'm choosing the parents and you can get the Hulk on me if you want. I'm choosing to. All right. All right, Doc, you went there. So what about you, uh, Matt? What did you think? Did you have a favorite secondary character? Uh, probably um, Zoe Saldano is, is my uh, favorite secondary character. Um, I mean, I, I'm, she I'm was the, the way she, she played she the her. wife, right? Say that again? She was the wife, right? Yeah, she was Ryan Reynolds' wife. Um, yeah, you know, just how she played her character, brief, brief part that it was. Um, I I just enjoyed how she she played it, and yeah, I, you know, 
Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Garner too as the parents I thought were great. It's kind of hard to pick out one favorite, you know, set of sec- you know secondary character or set of secondary characters. But to go back to Justin's comment about how the villain just felt mush, I think that just lends credence towards the the point of the movie wasn't a sci-fi action movie, right? Like the the, the point of the movie was the relationship, so they couldn't really develop that villain at all. So I think of all the characters to suffer, that was the character that that was the character that could suffer the most without changing the movie, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And touching on that, since it was such a relationship-focused movie, they could have gone back to the working relationship. And and obviously the villain, I can't think her name off the top of my head, she was part of, of their family. You know, there's right. pictures of her and Adam as he's growing up. So they could have brought in her relationship with yeah. the family and done more with it. I think they did some, but I think... They implied it. I think they didn't really. That would be with an obligation on the villain. They could have flushed her out, and she wouldn't have seemed so wishy. It's like you know, in books where you know authors have a problem of telling about something instead of showing it. There was a lot of telling about her relationship with the family, but there wasn't any showing it. Yeah. 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 I think the the villain's name was like Sorian or something weird. Yeah. So, She's so true, true that we don't even. I feel like that was a bit of a the weak spot of just like world the world building approach in general. That was, I mean, again, I liked the movie, but even like the, let's so take the stakes. They they kept kind of he kept referring to like look it's real bad in the future in this very like never like it's just real bad and it's it's kind of probably maybe time travel's fault because she like is evil jeff bezos in the future and that's why the world is real but like there were so many missed opportunities to be specific in an interesting way about a lot of different things that like in the context of the story and i think it's because they were making choices to really spend a lot more time than they like i prefer it the way they did it versus the other way where it's like we have this kind of interesting family dynamic but we have no time because we got to do all these action scenes and stuff i, I like like i like that they had them like sitting at a picnic table for 10 minutes just talking about how he misremembers how his dad was even though you know like that was great but there were a lot of those pieces that were just like and you know stakes and stuff they're like time travel has some rules maybe we're not really sure because we we say there are rules and like his wife gets mad at it has that moment of like you're doing a paradox but then there was like no consequence of him actually interacting with himself as a kid the entire movie even though one of the stated rules is like you shouldn't be doing this kind of one time they say it you know there's just a lot of that around it that was like i would have loved to have seen more more intention put into developing those parts of the story in the world than than just kind of the hand waving that it got. I'm trying to remember, did they actually physically touch or were they just near each other? No, he grabbed him at one point and no, carried him. him. Yeah, they yeah. touched. Okay. Yeah, because that's my point. Like, it's al- they almost wanted to do, like, there are implications here of, like, meeting yourself. And she, his wife at one point says, like, you're not supposed to, this is bad. Like, this is number one rule. You shouldn't do this. But then, like, nothing came of that. I just, 
there were those kinds of things along the way that could have made the action time travel we have to save the world for reasons part of the movie a lot better i thought so you had a thought on the side comment to get us uh, back to the villain for a second that was on point so so matt do you yeah. want to share share with the class the note you passed around Yes, okay, students, listen up. Uh, today we'll be discussing about how the villain in the movie The Atom Project went to the Biff Tannen School of Evil and Time Travel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there that was, was a valley Such a rip. Yeah. yeah. And they even had a, they had a Back to the Future reference in the movie. He's like, mm -hmm. oh, go back and get this. No, you idiot. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the first thing I thought of. Yeah, I could see that. So, Doc, did you have a favorite secondary character? Were the abs the secondary character for you? <laughs> uh, no. Those were definitely a primary character. Um, so I would definitely say, I mean, we already talked about the mom. I thought the mom made a great secondary character. Um, I really enjoyed that dynamic. Um, and I, I kind of liked it because it was more about a movie about him and the overall dynamic between his parents because too many times like a movie's like oh look it's a mom and the boy it's a mom and the dad it's like no this is actually a boy dealing with the baggage from both of his parents um both the good baggage and the bad baggage okay honestly the wife was i love the wife here. um he has so picked another great amazing strong female character um and I'm, I'm not meaning to diss on her acting ability, but it was the same kind. Like, it was a lot of Gamora in there. Mm -hmm. uh, Jennifer Garner's character, totally different than uh, Elektra or the the girl, the female off of Alias. So it was a very different character for her to come back and play. Still a very strong character, but a very different type of strength than a superhero fighting crime mm -hmm. or a mega spy and so I and i thought they did a good job showing that kind of strength and character so i think the wife laura shane i think if, I, if i'm remembering i think she was more of a shadow an idea of a character rather than someone who was fully fleshed out um her as an actor i thought she did good with what was there it just felt like no, she i was think the character was fully fleshed out but the character was fully fleshed out not by ex exposition but by knowing the trope yeah yeah but if you have yeah. to rely on knowing the trope without actually showing it then you didn't show it so i would say that she still felt like a shadow of a character like an idea of a character which is fine for secondary but they tried to make it more than that um, she was clearly, like I said, there for plot reasons. Uh, she was the the actor did a good job. I'm not dissing on that part of it. Um, but but you know her time in <laughs> in script or whatever just felt like it was, I don't know. It, it was it was almost like an afterthought and an excuse to throw that actress in the movie rather than an actual role where they just said, hey, this is the role. Now let me pick the the actress or actor. Um, and then my other favorite secondary character would be the dad. Um, I, I liked that they described him um, as a deep, like you see him as a deeply philosophical and principled person, um, despite his minimal airtime, you sort of get the vibe that, you know, even when times were tough, he stuck by his principles to the point where 
you know, when the adult Adam was like, you know, t- getting ready to tell him about his death. And he's like, nope, I don't want to know. He's like, but I could save you. And, and the, the, um, the dad was like, no, uh, what will be, will be, we're not going to mess with the rules of whatever. Like, even when it was his own life on the line, he wouldn't mm-hmm. alter his principles. And that, that one little scene that was not even a minute long, like sh- built so much of his character as like deeply principled that I just, you know, I was there for it. Docs, give me a look. Why is that? tired okay that's an acceptable reason so all right does anybody have anything else to say about the characters before we talk about the plot we've been rambling a little bit so i don't want doc to fall asleep on us so speaking of that moment you know before i lose the thought where he tried to tell him about the death you know i'm wondering now that the uh the villain sorian is dead i kind of wonder if she had something to do with the dad's death i mean I know yeah. that yeah. an accident yeah so I thought that was pretty heavy-handedly hinted yeah. at throughout the movie. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering if the uh, the dad lives and the uh, the atoms are more well-balanced people in the in the future. And then you start to wonder if there's a multiverse and the fork in the road created three alternate realities. Um, but no, no I haven't. I, I've <laughs> grown up on really cheap. I just look travel. at the empty bucket of pop, bucket of popcorn and go, hmm, need more. So speaking of the plot, uh, and, and you were talking about all of that, Christina, you had an interesting thought uh, about the plot in the side chat. So I'm going to let you expound on that as you tell us what you think about the plot of this movie. Yeah, so I really think that this movie could have been a trilogy. I think definitely for the Netflix for- format, you couldn't make it a super long movie. But I think it could have been, um, you know, almost maybe not a trilogy, but like an episodic miniseries yeah, where right. we get like, you know, four or five episodes that are a Disney plus style thing right now. Yeah. That's very in right now. I think they had enough, you know, I remember when they used to do the Hercules movies like that. We'll talk. Yes. But okay. Continue Christina. Uh, I got Christina going, man. Now she's thinking about a different person's abs and it's just, all right. Continue. Likeable Ryan Reynolds. But yeah, I think that there was definitely, you know, we've we've gone into how the amount of plot holes that they just needed more screen time for, you know, building out time travel, building up the villain, the wife having more of a story and being less of a trope. There was just so much more that we could unpack if we had turned that into, you know, a little miniseries instead of just shoving it into that short movie. Okay. All right. And um, Doc, since you were weighing in with all of your opinions, what did you think about the plot? Um, I enjoyed it, honestly. I was going into this movie thinking it was just going to be a, a boy about with daddy issues and time travel, and it was better. Okay. Uh, Justin? I didn't like how they oh, wrapped up right. the ending, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. I I agree with Christina. I think the I think the format, the movie format hurt it, and I think I think the the we have to make it for Netflix specifically hurt it. Like they were hit. It. Some of the things that I liked less were the things that felt like it was put there to check boxes to make it more marketable on the front end. But like the movie they really wanted to make, actually, what ended up being, I enjoyed it more. You know, but I, I like I could have I could have done with more of just like 
in my opinion, if you took that movie and you completely removed there is a villain trying to kill anybody and it was just like he got stranded in time, met his 12-year-old self and like was resolving his historical trauma and like family dynamics, would have been a like great, quantum leap style. totally fine movie. Like none of those elements mattered to me. Like they were fine, but you could have literally cut all of them and everything great about the movie still would have been there, in my opinion. So I think part of that is also, and I've seen this before when watching sci-fi, that like there's a struggle between like the hardcore sci-fi and then making it more approachable for mass media, people kind of like on the edge that are not like they may be Ryan Reynolds fans. They may even be MCU fans who are like, oh, look, three MCU actors in one place. Cha-ching. And um, so they're trying to balance that. And sometimes I think the things we love about sci-fi and as content creators and and hardcore sci-fi devourers are like, you, you just took the salt off my steak, dude. You know? Yeah. yeah. Going back to the food reference. Or it's like making tiramisu without coffee liquor. Yeah. Liqueur. Liqueur. Um, so. Look, you're trying to be glassy. Yeah, I'm going to be all fancy. Drink my tea with my pinky up. All right, Matt. So what did you think of the plot? There was, there was nothing about this plot that surprised me. Um, which isn't to say that it was bad. It just it felt overall very by the numbers. Like I could call story beats just before they were happening. Tropalicious. Tropalicious, yes. You know, it's it's the Ruby Tuesdays of movies. You're gonna go and you know what you're gonna get. Um and you know, again, again, don't get me wrong, I, I like the movie, it was a lot of fun. Um, there was just nothing surprising about it. And I had this, I was having this thought when I was watching the movie. Um, and in a lot of ways, it almost feels like this would have been either it was, it would have been in the theaters and out of the theaters before anybody saw it. And then maybe gotten like a cult following or even like a straight to VHS movie. Kids ask your parents. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, again, the movie, you know, as we've discussed, the movie has some really great you know, layers as does an onion. Right. But there was just with the plot, there was just nothing. I, nothing that I was surprised by. So I think that's where we were saying it is a character movie, not a plot movie. Okay. So, um, so for me, the movie was set in a dystopian future. Um, but what you get to see of it is from the main character, Adam Reed, as he comes back to save the world, the future from itself, which gives you some sort of deep ideas because if he changes the future, does he cease to exist as he is? So if so, then he's sacrificing himself for a better version of himself. And that starts to give you some deep thought processes like you see with classic sci-fi, for instance, with the, if you go to Star Trek, for instance, the teleporter, if they beam you up and other, uh, other sci-fi properties do this too, is the you that comes out the other side really you, or is it a facsimile of you? And like that idea of who you are, they sort of toy with it, but not too deeply. Um, this is like the, um, you know, paint by numbers version of that classic sort of image. So I, I did like that about the plot. I like the concept of time travel in general. Like I'm a deep time travel nerd, um, you know, who hasn't read Turtle Dove growing up and wished you could do it too. Um, 
but I feel like for all the tropes that were out there, like there are a lot of ideas about what happens with some of these paradoxes of time travel. And they'd sort of, instead of picking one, they picked all of them and then none of them. And then they followed none of the rules. And so that was a little bit frustrating. Like, yeah. you know, he touches himself, but then they poo poo the idea of, cause you know, the way around that is Einstein's idea of the, of, you know, multiple versions of reality, right? Like the parallel, you know, whatever, uh, but they laughed at that because they wanted to make that Marvel joke. So then, well, then you broke all the rules and why aren't you both disintegrating? Like, it's just, it was weird. Uh, and if you don't know about the disintegration, go watch Time Cop, people, and you'll thank me. And Van Damme will, will you know, convince you that Arnold was not as good of an actor as Van Damme was. Yeah, I said it. Shots fired. Um, so I, I liked sort of what it tried to do when it comes to time travel, but it did none of it well. But I still loved the movie. I think you're right because the characters mattered more than than the rest of it. I do think if they had done it as a longer, like you know, episodic miniseries, like you know, only like Hercules. But if they had done it that way, they could have done everything that was good about it, added more to it, flushed out the wife. Like you could have gotten all the feels if they'd done it that way, instead of just the two hour. Um, so yeah, it was. I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about it. But overall, I liked the movie, so I kind of, you know, the, the characters mattered enough that you sort of forgave, forgave the plot holes. Um, so if you disagree with me when we post this, share in the comment section, and we'll happily argue back and forth with you. And Christina promises she won't snort while she's reading your comments. <laughs> she won't. She promises. All right. So does Come anybody on, have... you know you want to just let it go. <laughs> Do it. Let it go. Do it now. Oh, and speaking of, speaking of, uh, there it goes. There it goes. Uh, we mentioned Ruby Tuesdays, and they're not sponsoring us. But if they want to, you know, call us. You know, our, mm -hmm. our phones work. Um, but uh, so, does anybody have anything else to add about the plot before we dive into the world building? Dive deeper. Are we gonna like get deeper into the world building and talk about the? Um the time travel in the next section or can we just like start let's do it right time? now let's talk about the world building and time travel christina you have something on your mind balls to the walls baby <laughs> i actually you know justin's been itching to talk about it so i've been waiting to hear his thoughts i want to hear his thoughts while he you know he does his thing when he's thinking have you noticed that cisco he does <laughs> i do don't i because i really need a haircut and I, it's like ah get out I of don't my haircut it's a good look <laughs> So As I someone whose hair is all falling that. out, like I'm, uh, we don't want to talk about your haircut. Okay? <laughs> We're just going to move on. They are jealous. All right. So, Justin, what are your thoughts on time travel that is part of the world building? Yeah, you actually hit on several of them. It was like one of the principal rules of world building is set your rules and then follow them. And then, and they were just like they kind of like they started laying out a few of those things. It was, it, Ryan you know, Reynolds doesn't follow any rules. That man is Deadpool to the core. I was but just dead, but, that, here's, that but that's a good Deadpool example because like time travel. Deadpool does though. Deadpool's rules are we break the fourth wall. Like th th it's very consistent with the, what it establishes from the very beginning. Like that's the point. You can do all kinds of crazy stuff, what, but what you can't do is like jump around and and not and like you set audience expectations and then you just ignore them or break them later. Like I. I wanted to see some, like, I, 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 a lot of times I do that thing of like, okay, if I was doing this, if I had written that, because I like, to, it's a thought exercise I like to do after I read or watch something like, what would I have done differently? I thought it would have been really interesting. I mean, it's like, 
you have this older, your older self meeting your younger self. It would have been interesting if the things that happened to young Adam Reed throughout the movie actually changed older Adam Reed as the movie was happening. That was a thing that could have been cool to see. Because at least for that process, there's like, they had that idea that like, what's happening to you now? And they had, it's like, they never wanted to pick anything. Like they had that conversation of like, so are you going to remember this now that it's happening to me? And he was like, oh, no, I'm not. And it's like, okay, well, like, is what I'm doing now going to change anything? It's like, well, maybe. I mean, we're definitely trying to change the future, but not in any way that is complicated or that we want to like actually marry ourselves to. It just felt like for a time, like, here's the thing. Time travel is such a thing in sci-fi. And by now everybody knows like, don't screw around with time travel unless you're going to do it or like you're going to do it with some level of thoughtfulness because it's really hard to do well. And it felt like they were like, no, we want to do time travel, but we just kind of want to not, engage with any of the things that make it narratively complicated or interesting. So that's the, the, you're trying to find a way to make it like the time travel, everybody wants without actually narrowing it down to a set system for them. Like you're like, I'm going to do this and this and this, that way we won't offend anybody who thinks it should be the other way. But But then it was just like a non thing. Here's the thing. It'd be like, if it was a fantasy movie, and then it, but like there was definitely magic. And then they, but like they were like, well, here's how magic works, except it kind of doesn't really work like that in 15 minutes later because it would be kind of, it would be annoying for this scene for it to work that way. So we're just going to ignore that like 20 minutes ago we said this was a thing. Like so that, that part of it was irritating. Like, like was like, that was bugging me throughout the movie. Of and like, if you like, look, if you look at it, so they go back to 2022. That's where Adam shows up to meet younger Adam. And then together they go back even farther to where his wife is trapped. I think it was 2018. Um, so in wife theory, was in 2022. So the okay. wife died. Yeah, the wife originally went to 2018. She lived off the grid for four years and amassed herself some, you know, some weaponry. Yeah. And then she died in 2022. And then they went back to 2018 with the dad. Right, but so. The, the that's good so but that means that in theory everything they were doing on the 2018 with dad timeline should have been affecting both Adams and then right. somewhere along that movie line in the theory right. there's younger Adam in 2018 that you don't see which is fine you don't need to but like like they're changing everything but nothing changed is the is the sort of the point and if you stuck to like this is the reason it happened because it always happened that way it was you going back in time that created the timeline and you get the perpetual loop so it doesn't break things because that's always how it happened right but even then you still have to establish that as the rule their whole point was we're going to make sure time travel never happened which is just like a terrible time travel premise <laughs> Right. So yeah. uh, other than the time travel flaws, if uh, yeah. Seska or Matt want to weigh in on the time travel flaws, otherwise we'll move into the rest of the world building. So my, my thing with the time travel is I like I like my magic soft and my time travel hard, right? I want my time travel. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not how I like it. Uh... I know the room. I expect things a specific way. But I like my time travel to have set specific rules, 
right? Magic, I don't care about. That could be hand wavy. But when it comes to time travels, if I need to know the rules, right? Back to the Future had fairly set in stone rules, right? Quantum Leap. And I think for me, um, we just needed more concrete time travel rules. Because as they're trying to explain, like, so am I, do you remember this conversation? Eh, no, because something, something, our brains will realign something. Right. And I was just kind of like, no, huh? because how you should be remembering this. And then they traveled back. So there were three atoms in one timeline. And I just wish the time travel rules had been a little bit more concrete. Yeah. yeah. So, and it wouldn't have, they could have done it without hurting the movie. Like he could have just as easily said, well, I didn't, but I, rem I remember it now. Right. Like now that I just met you, I am now like I, right. creating or some kind of, I felt like they, they kind of ducked out of everything. It, it was an opportunity to create stakes and tension in the story and have things be harder than they were in the, in the movie. Right. And they were just I like, yeah, that would make it harder. So we're just going to not, but I would have liked it to be harder. They they had they would they had an opportunity to take the Back to the Future references one step further and have a blackboard scene, and just Ryan Reynolds be like, "Here we are. Here's mm -hmm. where I'm from. This is." It, and again, maybe it's because I'm a visual person, and I would have liked to have seen that, but it wouldn't have even taken that much of the movie. Like Justin said, it would have been you know, five minutes at most to say, "Here's the rules." And because the main character wasn't the scientist, you could have gotten away with, well, if he gets it wrong, he's just an unreliable narrator, but just give lip service to the idea that there are rules. Exactly. Right? Yep. Um, and they didn't do that. Um, did Christina and Doc, did you have anything to say about time travel before we get to the generic world, build, world building and, and then push this forward? Or did you say I, your piece already? I think I did. It was like the fruit salad of time travel. And yeah. uh, that's a good know, way to put it. The nuts were not welcome in it. It was, it was just, <laughs> <laughs> it was all over the place. There were no, there were no rules. I mean, you know, coconut flakes and, and peanuts and just all crazy shit in there. All right. So it looks like all of us are going to um, need to grab a, a, some grub after this based on all the food references. <laughs> all right. Um, so I, I think other than the time travel issues, which is, you know, huge world building thing, but other than that, um, I think they showed the, the world of the future with the stunning visuals of the fight scenes that are choreographed with the future warriors in their like, kind of cool suits and their lightsabers, not lightsabers with the sticks that they were fighting yeah. with. Uh, and they're totally not Marvel fight scenes that were, you know, acted out outside of his mom's house. I do want to know how they explained all the brokenness to the mom. Yes. Because, yes. like, they never explained the cleanup, but then just suddenly mom's like, oh, my house looks like it was raided and my 12-year-old is missing. Okay. Um, like, it's just all those things that are just sort of left on the cutting room floor. Um, it did seem like there was a time blip because it flipped back to that same morning where she was looking for the the um the bill yeah so, so there was, it was a time blip so she may yeah. have got you know whatever she thought when she came home and all the shit was messed up you know well i think yeah. they're implying that then that again it's like they implied it didn't happen because of how that what they changed four years earlier than that mm. but 
there's no actual justification for why that would have been undone, but then other stuff wasn't like. Yeah. So I think there's most of the world building when they showed the visuals and what the future might look like and what the past looked like, I think they did an amazing job, but then you open up that big giant chasm that is their poorly written time travel. And it's just like, I like it. I want to like it, but this is like the Britney Spears bubblegum pop of movies for time travel. There's nothing like serious about it. So just go in with uh, those expectations and I think you'll be okay. Yeah. The commander and I were talking about that last night, how, you know, if you're going in looking for the hardcore science, this is not your movie. If you're going in to, you know, spend your time and come out and, and be happy and, you know, enjoy, but there's not a lot of deep thought other than Ryan Reynolds abs that you really need to put into anything. That's a, this is the movie for you. Hard it's interesting no. though because like I have a category for like schlocky popcorn not well well supported like pulp genre stuff and I enjoy that but because of the family character dynamic it was much more of a movie than that too so it was it kind of played with me a little bit it's like okay that that is telling like all my signals are telling me it's going to be that kind of movie but then they have this other piece that is actually really quite like deep and well done and well developed mm. and well executed and so yeah. that was an interesting contrast oh yeah, yeah I'm like, watching yeah. It, which is it'll be one of those movies that i enjoy having on yeah often it's one of those ones where i couldn't decide if it wanted to be a campy b movie from the 90s or if it wanted to be a serious one and it sort of did a little bit of both but it never fully committed yeah um yeah. and i think that's where my like street to vhs vibe came from like if they had cut out the majority of the family stuff, it clocked in at like 88 minutes. It would have been perfectly serviceable, dumb, you know, I use quotes, science fiction movie, right? Something you can buy, buy for the kids, throw it on. It's $5 in the Walmart bin. Um, yeah. Then you add in the family stuff and it becomes more than that. But again, there wasn't enough of either one. Those $5 movie bins are dangerous. Stay away from the people. They will suck you in and you'll buy the movies. And then you realize... Oh, I have that one already. This is the third copy I just bought because it looked good and it was only $5. I, I found a portal to another dimension in one once. So <laughs> I believe it. All right. All right. So Which that is the are we book. talking to right now? <laughs> yes. So uh, let's talk about the cinematography briefly, uh, which is basically how the film was shot. Does um, anybody have any strong opinions of that or just, you know, I standard? I really liked how they did some of the scenes. Uh, I, I said it earlier. I thought it was really great that they definitely had the aviation and the flight so you had yeah. some of those especially now that we have a new top gun movie we had some of those space flight <laughs> things which was awesome um which also gave some of that last starfighter vibe yes. and then um as well as they really used elevation to make it definitely add that sci-fi yeah. feel you know the instead of having bad guy here, good guy here, the bad guy was up here and the good guy is here because he's floating in the ship. Like, that was great. Um, I think they definitely pulled from, uh, you know, they got actors who are used to working with special effects. And I think towards some of the end scenes in the movie, which out without giving away spoilers, that experience definitely helped 
them create those kind of scenes with special effects. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Christina, did you have any thoughts on the cinematography or were you just overall pleased? This is not something I get too wonky about. So you're muted. It was not cheesy cinematography. No, it was well done. I muted because the kids were being, um, I thought we got you to snort again. Yeah, no, the, uh, yeah, Serenity is still, uh, post me crabby. So she was yelling at Manny. Um, no, I thought it was good shit. I really enjoyed the uh, the cinematography. Okay. I have nothing negative to say about it. Matt and Justin, you got anything to weigh in on? It, it was. I thought it was beautifully shot. Yeah. So um, I have pretty low standards when it comes to that. As long as it's not like Blair Witchy, crappy, shaky stuff, I'm, I'm generally pretty good. As a general rule, I think I prefer the dramatic acting over uh, reliance on CGI and, and green screen. I think this one sort of split the difference. The acting was well done. But they also threw in the CGI, so it sort of married the two pretty pretty well. But other than that, I don't have strong thoughts. So uh, we will move on, and we are going to talk about this uh, lovely movie poster. So I am pulling that up really? right now. There's a movie no. poster. Yeah, you don't know. You don't. You don't rock the movie posters. No. Funny that Netflix bothered to make one, given that it was always only going to be on Netflix. Okay. There. Yeah, I, I'm here. Hurry up. Uh, I, the one that they have is uh, was too small, so I had to get a bigger one. That's what she said. Um, Size yeah. does matter, fellas. That is the most last starfighter thing ever. You're right. Right? I it's seen the, that. It is the last starfighter. It is exactly all it is. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, somebody And also, like, someone was just like, let's just do the end game thing, except we don't have as big of a cast, so it's going to look different because if they if it was exactly this, but they had fifteen people, it would just be the end game poster. Yeah, they could have yeah. thrown the villains in there. Yeah, she's not even on because she doesn't matter. Right, and, and it's definitely got some. Um, I know some quantum leap vibes with you do the circle in the background, which is mm-hmm. what they use to jump. It's like I, it's definitely the movie poster is more of an homage to everything that was sci fi before it than it is just a movie poster. Looking at the movie poster, I wouldn't have any clue what this movie's about other than, you know, there's something flying in the background and they got a futuristic right. gun. And somebody named Adam might or might not be involved. I would do not think the movie poster sold the movie. I mean, it's a cool picture, but I, I wouldn't know looking at this poster what the movie was about. No, no but if you if you ever see the movie, you know exactly what this is about. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, this. Oh, yeah, that. So, I mean, it wasn't bad in that regard. But, yeah, it's definitely a heritage piece. And I, I grew up where movie posters were a thing at the movie theater because that's how you had to go watch the new movies uh, unless you got the straight to VHS. And so, like, I saw movie posters, but I was young enough that I didn't analyze whether they fit the movie, whether they told what we kind of we could expect. So uh, unless we get guests that are older than us, we'll have to just assume it's a pretty picture and move on unless anyone has some deep thoughts on this one. Because I don't – I mean, it's a cool picture, but I don't think it tells much about the movie. I feel like it's something I would have seen at a movie theater like in the 90s. You do? Yeah. Okay. Just okay. with better graphics. Yep. All right. Yeah. All right. More saturated colors. All right. So uh, that just leaves, uh, so we don't, you know, get all crazy. That just leaves us to talk about our overall thoughts. So um, overall thoughts. Christina, what did you think about the movie that is The Adam Project? 
you know, it was uh, it was really enjoyable. Um, I'm glad I watched it. I, I've been waiting to watch it because I knew I was going to come on the show to see it. So I wanted like my first impressions to be fresh. Um, and I'm glad I did that. Uh, you know, other than the fact that there were some there were some holes. Uh, it was good. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll watch it again. So on a scale of one to five, what would you rate it? A soft four. Soft four. All right. So, it uh, Doc. carried it. Yeah. If it, think, if it had been done by any other cast than what it was done by, um, I think it would have been a crappy movie. But the cast and the, the writing for the characters are what won the day. Agreed. So what about you, Doc? What do you think before you fall asleep on us? I know it's been a long work day for you. Uh, I really did enjoy it. I thought it was a great movie. It is a great family movie and a great intro to sci-fi movie. Okay. That's a good way to name it. Yeah. If you think of it as like a, an early entry to the genre, not so much like for people who've been in it for a long time. Yeah. I mean, like the expanse would be, this is not yeah. for like, like the expanse. If you drop somebody into the expanse, yeah. it's like, whoa, that's a that's lot. too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a really good, very approachable sci-fi movie. Great family movie. Um, and I think it was done by somebody who really enjoys and understands the genre. I agree with that. What do you think? Uh, Justin weighed in. So what about you, Matt? Do you, uh, what did you think overall on a scale of one to five? Uh, overall, I really enjoyed it. I'd give it a solid 3.75 um <laughs> but a solid 375 not just a weak 375 well i thought about a 3.754 but i thought that might be getting a little bit too granular um, <laughs> but I mean, you know for me it was just missing that hard five five not even five minutes of explanation about the time travel um but other you know the performances i always get sucked in by great visuals they had great visuals throughout um, definitely, I like the phrase, you know, beginner sci-fi, um, good family movie. So, yeah, I would recommend it to anybody. Had a lot of heart, which yes. it was not like phoned in, but it could yeah. have been. Had a lot when of heart in a good way. Sci-fi, classic and best, has heart in it. Yeah, yeah. And it's about those interactions. Otherwise, it's just blasters going pew, pew, pew. There's nothing wrong with that. Otherwise, right, no. So fighting with not lightsabers. <laughs> right. So for me, I'd give it a four out of five. I really loved the movie. I watched it, you know, three times, once with my kid, once for the show, and then once today. So I was ready for the show, you know, thanks to my Swiss cheese memory. Harry um, charm, baby. That's right. Um, so there, there were hints at a deeper plot that, that were just ignored. Um, there was the weak surface plot of um, the, the shallower surface plot. I won't say it was weak of the, the family drama that was well executed. Um, it made you care about the characters and care about the story. Uh, there was definite room for improvement, but I think if you think of this as the um, the shallow end of the sci-fi pool, you know, the kiddie pool version of it, like it works for me. And, you know, in full disclosure, I, I adore all of the campy B movies. So like, that's not a detractor for me. So I would have probably liked it even if they went fuller into the cheese. So uh, anyway, that was my thoughts on it. I know it's getting late, so we will skip out some of the what are we doing now. Uh, I promise you, Justin, the Kickstarter we told you we'd talk about at the end, I will get you back on really, really quickly. Oh, so sure. hit me up after the show so we can talk about it. Um, and then, you know, find another reason to get you back on for it. 
we hope that you enjoyed your Fourth of July um, and that Just you've wait. recovered. From Justin your... has a Kickstarter coming up. Yeah, we'll look in the show notes and then we'll have him back to talk about it. Okay, wait. Is it a book, a game, or a comic? book series? Yeah, for my fantasy series. Sweet. I sent so, you some ideas for some some future shows, Jr. So maybe we can. Uh, we know how well have... those work for 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 the likes of like Sanderson and companies. So. I know, right? Good luck and much hunting. I'm very much planning to crack his record. We'll we'll just do it in one go. <laughs> All right, and so we will have these characters. These characters. We'll have these guests back. We'll talk about more things. We'll dive into his Kickstarter uh, when we talk about what he's working on now. I promise you, we'll do all the things. But for now, Christina, how can listeners and readers find you if they want to dive off the deep end of everything that is Christina Gruel? Uh, I have a website, ChristinaGruel.com. Uh, my Facebook group, The Summer Led Universe. Uh, is another good place, but you can find me every day and some nights on on Discord. Uh, that that is uh, linked on my website as well. So if you want to come join the server and get to be part of the craziness and see a lot of the back behind the scenes stuff, uh, come join me there. All right. What about you, Matt? Uh if you search for, you know, Matt Zupka, Lord Zupka on your social media platform of choice, there's a pretty good chance I'll pop up because to the best of my knowledge, there's only one of me in the multiverse. Um, yeah. Because he touched it. He touched. Well, no, that would sound bad. He killed the other versions of himself. Yes. I, I was going to say he touched himself and he exploded, but and not that kind did. of stuff. So, um, so with the Lord title, did you buy like an acre of land in Scotland for a tree and get the little certificate? Is that what's going on? So the Lord's up has been my internet name for probably the last 15 years or so, but my, uh, some of my very good friends actually bought me a title in Scotland for Christmas this past year. So I am officially, officially. a Scottish Lord. There you go. Officially. All right. And I actually have a star that I named. Uh, Fort Hanley, but I, you know, nobody's actually going to honor those. It was just for the certificate. I'll have to <laughs> dig that up. But uh, Justin, how can listeners and viewers find you on the wild, wild interwebs? Uh, my website's probably the best single spot. Justinbike.com has uh, info about my two main series. Uh, and if you search the Far Shore Chronicles on Facebook, you'll find uh, my page and fan group. Outstanding. All right. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email the show at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. You can join us on Facebook where all the shenanigans happen, or it's facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. Again, backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. You can follow us on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tack and tack blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades, where you can also support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. You can help us keep the lights on, or you can support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Handley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Handley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast, and I promise I will keep Doc uh, and her Netflix subscription continuing for another month so that way we can do more funny movie reviews. And uh, if you've got anything on the movie review side that you want us to do, uh, hit us up in the in the uh, Facebook group and say, hey, can you do a review of this book or this movie? If it's spec fic, we're there for it every day and twice on Sunday. So uh, we're open to to do the fan service if there's something you want to see us review. And uh, all right, Doc, 
Are you dying? For the ever so helpful J.R. Hanley, the absentee Nick Garber, and I am Seska. This is the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, where we indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and getting J.R. to say fan service. You do what you can, you know? <laughs>